I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 44 of the Stream Bucket Podcast. Day, week, 30, 20-something of the coronavirus pandemic. It's been going on very long. And um, we've just been given new rules yes. in the last two weeks. Uh, Three weeks. Uh, I've lost track. Do uh, I go outside now? You can, and you can meet anyone you want, but you have to stay two metres away from them. Is it anyone I want? In a whole country. Shall I meet Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yes. Oh. Okay, I'm on board. Thanks, oh. Boris. Nice one. Thank you, Boris. We can now <laughs> meet Catherine Zeta-Jones, and she probably doesn't live in Wales like we imagine, on a hill. Yes, she does. She lives with Tom Jones in the in the stables. Right. Oh, Tom Jones! And she rides him around the paddock. Yes, on a sheep. And little dragons follow them around. Yes. 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 Yaki da! Yeah. Yaki da! 100%. That's my <laughs> the only Welsh. Yaki da! That's not Welsh. That's like a. That's like an Ewok. No, Yaki da! I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. I think it means. Oh, the Newport or something. Scar. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Bad. Well, Wales. What have you been doing? Ooh. What have you been doing? Ooh. What have you been doing? I'm doing Wales. But you're doing Wales. We're still. We're <laughs> going to stay on. We're going to stay on Wales. Do you know what I like about Wales? They eat penguins. Blowholes. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Right. We need to. This isn't. This isn't night shift. This isn't a representation <laughs> of what we are. This isn't night shift. This is the normal. Yeah, this Ooh, is the normal podcast. Okay, right. well, we, you don't want to give people a taste Enter of that. Enter new realm. Yeah. Okay. First off, we must apologise. We must make an apology. Why? Because the last Stream Bucket podcast came out on May the 4th. Oh. Ugh! Hey, guess what? What? Don't care. What? No, it's done. There's one day a year to talk about Star everyone, Wars. That's everyone it. does it all the time. Yeah, there is but that. And, and, and. There is that. I don't feel like I talk about. Uh, we don't have a yearly Lord of the Rings thing. Well, um, um, give me so, a date so for so Lord of the should, Rings and we'll make out Lord of the Rings Day. Why should we have. What's well, Bilbo's why birthday? Why should we have. Uh, September, isn't it? Today is my 111th birthday. I can't remember what his birthday is. I'm looking is. it up. Yeah, look it up. It's weird they have the same months as us, but I suppose it's the same planet, isn't it? Yeah, it's just in the past. Right, there you go. September 22nd is Bilbo's birthday. We will make that Lord of the Rings day. Okay, cool. September 22nd. Right, Write it down, put it on the is board. That, is that a pen for the That's, board? No, 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 no. Okay. That's the permanent marker. <laughs> board pen. Right, well, um... Just smudge it on. 22nd, September, Bilbo day. And that's when we finally have our Lords of the Rings podcast spectacular. Oh my god. And it's on the weekend of Horicon, no less, isn't it? Oh yeah. Or is it just before? It might be the same weekend. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Well, we can, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out. We can prepare for We'll it. sort it out. But anyway. Yeah. So, idiots should have thought about that. But on May the 4th, I did do something, Rob. What did you do? I started The Mandalorian. What do you think? Oh my god, it's amazing. It is good, isn't it? It's amazing. It's very good. Uh, I would say... Now, Nick, video game review Nick on the show, uh, said it has an OG feel. It has an original trilogy feel. And I mean, it does. I think it has a completely unique I think it feels feel. more like a comic book. It, it's, it's, what I thought, the, the first episode felt like a fan film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. In a good way. 
like, oh, this is a really good fan film, but it's not, no, it's got completely its own character, its own taste. Uh, people say it's Western, it's more samurai, um, from my limited knowledge of samurai films. Um, but they inspired the Westerns. Yeah. So, Seven yeah. Samurai and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, oh my God. So I, I watched the first half in one go. I need to finish it. But I, I ended on the episode that everyone else apparently ended on as well. The Attack one? The uh, ATST. Was it ATST? Yeah. I... In the bloody farmer rice field That's, village. Th- that is as far as I got, and I fell asleep on that episode. And I haven't watched the second half of it. That's as far as I've got. It's rubbish. Like that one episode made me go, nah, I'm done. <laughs> I probably would have carried on if it was uh, all this. I don't care about your, your, your stupid farm people. I yeah. Don't, I, don't give a, I, don't, I don't care. And the, moving, Ma- moving on. the Mandalorian suddenly was like, oh yeah, it'd be nice if I stopped, if I retired. Shut, Where did that come from? Shut up, dude. Just keep being cool. Um, keep, doing, keep doing you. So, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I'm in love with it. It's awesome. Yeah, wonderful. Uh. What have you been doing? Watching? Um, well, I've been in a state of uh, like lethargy when mm. it comes to films, and my attention span has been incredibly weak. I tried to watch Wedding Crashes for the first time in ten years. It used to be one of my favourite movies. Couldn't be bothered. Tried to watch The Man from Uncle. Fell asleep. Made my way all the way through Jurassic Park Two, <coughs> uh, which um, when I don't watch Jurassic Park One for long enough and I forget how good it is I always say that Jurassic Park 2 is my favourite why? because it's so much fun and it's got Pete Pofflesweight in it as yeah, the okay. el- elderly huntsman who I want to get a buck a male he's after the male T-Rex and he, he's got that whole plot he definitely makes he should have we well, said this at the time he should have been in Jurassic World 2 yeah when, he, when they had all the hunters again that's where they needed that sort of character they, should, should they didn't have any of them you haven't been there. You haven't been on on There's, site B. There should have been loads of uh, old British theatre yeah. actors with it's scars. What, it's what the made the first three films feel authentic and good. The second one, The Lost World, is the one that I think of when I think of all the toys. But they had the trucks. Yeah. Um, the double deluxe trailer thing. And I remember all the all the dinosaurs had like barcodes printed on them on the toys. All right. I don't, I don't know whether it's branding or something, or whether it was just the barcode. Um, but yeah, I remember, and I never had any, but I remember lots of people appearing suddenly with all these toys. I had uh, the Pachycephalosaurus, which is the headbutt, where you press the button and it headbutts its Okay, play. yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, the thing I remember most, and you know when everyone talks about Star Wars Episode One, the serial statues? Oh, yeah. Um, Lost World had, um, what's it called when you move the picture? And then... The picture moves when oh, you wobble it. Like, like a hologram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you could, it'd be in the shape of a pterodactyl, and then you wobbled it, and the pterodactyl would go, Rah! or a T Rex or whatever. That rings a bell. And you could get them in a cereal. That, I think I may have got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I remember I was obsessed with them. I was always pestered. They're so clever, wasn't it? I was always, whenever there was cereal stuff like that, I was like to my mum and dad, get more <laughs> cereal. But we've got five boxes. I don't care. I want all the things. I definitely had the Phantom Menace ones. Definitely. Yeah. They had little. Uh, you could take a little piece of there was a secret you could a and statue a would, and there'd be a scroll and the scroll would be coded somehow yes I remember I remember specifically having Darth Maul and Princess Amidala and Jar Jar Binks I had Qui-Gon oh nice and that's the only one I can remember I might have had Jar Jar I remember having the Jar Jar as a free uh, gift on the Beano uh, with the tongue yeah and oh my god flick it with your wrist and you go 
Yes! That was the best thing about Jar Jar Binks that oh. ever happened. <laughs> ever. I can... I can... Uh, I don't know if that... I can stretch the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, there we go. So, um, moving on to the show. Yeah. Uh, so, last time uh, I picked the random word lever for our film choice. Yes, you did. You immediately went dirty, filthy land... Yeah, I did. And, oh, oh beauty of some nuns. Yeah, what erotica are you going to produce? Yeah, so well, I thought about it, but actually I landed on something that uh, we were talking about a few weeks ago anyway. Uh, of sword and sandals, they call it as a genre. Yep. Associated closely with blood and leather. I went for Gladiator. The 2000 ruddy classic. Yeah, by Ridley Scott before it all went pear-shaped. Before he went mad. Now, I am... I was... I mean, I think you might have thought it was the obvious choice, but I'm surprised you didn't go with Hellraiser. I, I did think it was the obvious. Yeah. Yeah, I've got it. It's over there. Also, is it leather? Is, is it, it like PVC latex? Or... PVC, yeah. That, that's, that was the second thought I had was... Yeah. Is that actually good? But yes, we'll, I'll make you watch Hellraiser at some point. I watched all four of them years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. That strikes me as something you wouldn't have seen. Nope, so I am, I've been Hellraiser. You've seen Hellraiser, but not like Friday the 13th. Yeah, but Hellraiser's got Deadite. Not Deadite, Deadite. Celebites. Celebites. They're cooler than what's his face. Jason? Yeah, they're cooler than Jason. Jason, well, to be fair, Jason's the least interesting part of those films. Yeah. Uh, no, I do need to. I, I, it's a crime that I haven't gone all the way through Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. I will do it, but I have seen Hellraiser. But we're not talking about that. No, about Gladiator. <laughs> we're not talking about my horror shame. We're going to talk about Gladiator later in the show. But for now, let's get on to a review. Yes. Adam's film reviews: The Wrong Missy, 2020. Pardon me. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. This has turned out to be the best time I've had with a guy in a really long time. Me too. <laughs> Me too. With a girl. Yeah. Your Miss Wright was Miss Marilyn. You gotta bring her to Hawaii, dude. I can't bring her on a corporate retreat. It's a no-brainer. Text her now. She said yes! Aloha, Mother Antonio! Yes! I've got this girl meeting me here, and she's amazing. <laughs> Missy, what are you doing here? That text from you was wonderful. I screwed up so huge. Remember that crazy blind date I had? Nothing you could ever do would disappoint me. I love you. This whole time I thought I was texting my dream girl. <laughs> I was texting that crazy girl. To the best weekend ever. <laughs> oh my God. Are you rich? I'm made it. Yeah. All my teachers can eat my soul. A Netflix romantic comedy produced by Happy Madison and directed by Tyler Spindle, The Wrong Missy is exactly what you think it is. Starring David Spade as Tim Morris, a corporate pen pusher for some sort of insurance firm who is desperate for love following a nasty breakup with adulterous wife Julia, notably played by Sarah Chalk off of Scrubs. The film opens with a disastrous blind date where Tim meets Missy, played by Lauren Lapkus, a hyperactive potential psychopath who's quick to down a drink and even quicker to draw her disturbingly large knife, who she's affectionately named Sheila. Realising he's in above his head, Tim flees the date via the bathroom window and puts the disaster behind him. Months later, Tim stumbles into former model Melissa, played by 
former model Molly Sims. Known as Missy to her friends, Melissa and Tim hit it off immediately. They share the same interests, the same taste in books, both are teetotal, and it isn't long before they're making use of the nearby broom closet and exchanging phone numbers. Tim holds off as long as he can, but the moment he starts texting Missy, he can't stop. He's a man obsessed, and the fact doesn't get past his office buddy Nate, played by Madison regular Nick Swardson, who insists Tim invite Missy to the upcoming work trip to Hawaii. Sure enough, when Tim invites her along, she's quick to say yes. But oh no, it turns out Tim has been texting Missy from the blind date this whole time. Missy quickly stands out of the corporate holiday, downing Mai Tais and engorging herself in her surroundings, making a notably good impression on all of Tim's colleagues. Tim isn't having it though and dismisses Missy as an unhinged maniac likely to ruin his career. But as time passes, Tim's attitude begins to change, especially when Missy reveals a host of talents and skills that make a hugely positive impact on his life and the lives of those around him. Then things go bad, then things get good again. Hooray! Yeah, the wrong Missy is exactly what you think it is. The trailer is all you need to see to understand the concept and also write the whole film in your head before the Netflix logo even appears. It also has all the hallmarks of a Happy Madison production. It's filmed in an explicably expensive and classy hotel. It features camp comedy characters alongside camp comedy amputees and has trademark unlikely romantic connections with an elderly man making out of an inexplicably young woman. It has all of these things, and yet, the wrong Missy isn't offensively bad. Oh, it's not funny. Indeed, I think I laughed twice in the whole film, but it never crosses the line into Jack and Jill territory. It's just, it's just average. Credit where it's due, Lauren Lapkus completely steals the show as Missy, and it's her energy and enthusiasm that holds the film together. In fact, I'd go far to say that Missy isn't even that bad, as dates go. She might not be Tim's cup of tea initially, but... She's kooky and she's fun. This is a film that works as an excellent pitch, but it just fails for one reason. It doesn't go far enough. Chalk this up to another cash-in-hand forgettable comedy courtesy of Happy Madison. Stick it on Netflix if you're hungover, or if you plan on doing something else while it's on, you're not going to miss anything. Damn it! <laughs> Rob. Yes. I noticed before the record, hmm. you went to fill up your glass of water from the bathroom. Isn't that the worst thing you could possibly do? Uh, I didn't know this was a thing, and I've and I've I've had I've I've had clues in my in the past that it's, it is a thing my understanding is that tap kitchen tap is filtered and cooled and chilled and straight from the source bathroom water is foul filthy and parasitic and evil but 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 you like you brush your teeth with that water do you drink water when you brush your teeth well you you meant to put the water you meant to you after you finish brushing the teeth you put the tap the the brush under the water and then you brush your teeth with water yeah that's a good point also if you're bathing in it yeah i feel like it goes it's not like it's toxic it's water it's just hate it's just h2o h2o yeah it's just h2o well i've definitely had water before from the bathroom that had stuff floating in it 
Yours doesn't. That's a good sign. Well, that's, that's in the kitchen. Oh yeah, you. Oh yeah, I, I shamed you into. You shamed me. Into, yeah, you shamed me into pouring my water, my bathroom. When I was in New Zealand and I was in gap year, a gap year, gap year. I. Oh, um, don't say. It. Can you re- rewind that? It wasn't a gap year. It was a gap three months. It was a holiday. It was a three month holiday. Yeah, gap year makes you. St- it, I was on a holiday. It presents you as someone you're not, <laughs> which is. Oh, public school All education. Right. I, was, I went to is... New Zealand for three months. Yeah, okay, nice. Because you were arrested and exported. Because I was arrested and exported because for we are... smuggling hobbits. Yeah, we're working class heroes. Yes, we're working class heroes. <laughs> I paid for that with my own good money and some of my ex-parents. Shut, shut up, anyway, um, what I was saying mm-hmm. was... I went into a hostel and I stayed there and a girl saw me going to get some water and she was like, can you get me some as well? And I said, yes. And I came back and she was like, ooh, that was fast. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just went to the bathroom to get it. And she looked at me like I was a piece of turd on the bottom of her shoe <laughs> and re- refused the water. I imagine that would have aroused you. I was very aroused by her look of disgust <laughs> yeah. and disdain. Right. I've Googled it. Right. So I should have known then. Is what, The reason I went on that freaking tail was right. that I should have known then. Student room. Let's find out what the students have to say. Okay. What, what? That's one end of the spectrum, though, isn't it? The students. Well, this is the people, and then we... we, we yeah. So, there's a post on uh, thestudentroom.co.uk, a website I never used at uni. No. Uh, water from the tap in upstairs bathroom. I am thirsty. It's half past midnight. I am too tired to go downstairs. Will I be all right drinking from the bathroom tap? Alternatively, there is a glass of water which has been uncovered for at least two weeks on my bedside. Which of the two is safer to drink? Responses ASAP so I can drink and sleep. Right. Wow. Alexion replies, yeah, I drink from the bathroom tap every day. <laughs> I like the cut of this guy's jib. I mean, that could explain why this third eye is starting to grow, but I don't think it's bad for you. Uh. Uh. uh Section lead. This, this is... Oh no! Oh no! The website's gone crazy. I think you can drink water from the bathroom. I think it's fine. What's wrong with this website? Oh my god! Because oh, this hasn't been updated since two thousand and eight. Not just the bathroom water comes from a tank. It's straight from pipe. It's okay. Says new bio. Uh... I feel like I feel like you can drink water from the tap unless you live in some horrible place. Right, Reddit. Reddit's a, a, a oh. notorious source of positive information. Yeah. Is it Giants 4210? My bathroom sink gets a lot colder than my kitchen sink, so I'd like to drink out of that one, but I'm not sure if it's safe to do so. Show me your favourite says, depends on if all the water in your house is potable or not. We're getting too scientific. But there you go. If you're in a first world country, it probably is safe. But if you're unsure, you might want to look it up in your area. Uh, unless we're... you're in Flint, Michigan, it says here. <laughs> we're answering nothing. We're coming <laughs> to no conclusion. This is stupid. All right. Well, I'm going to keep... I'm, if, I'm in, if I'm in the area of the bathroom and I've got a glass, I'm going to get some tap water. The other point to address is that the bathroom sink is as far away from you as the kitchen sink at almost all times. <laughs> oh, man, I don't all right. Know, look, you're making 
you're making me question things that I didn't want to question. <laughs> Distance, <laughs> hygiene. Okay. This is all key topics. Right. Anyway, uh, uh, conclusion, drink squash. Drink squash. Concentrate. <laughs> they came to party. They came from outer space. <laughs> but for these unhappy campers... Just put this thing on. Things are about to get slimy. If you go down to the woods today, you'd better keep an eye out for... Quaggers! They're mean, they're insane, and they're everywhere. And they've got an appetite for naughty campers. Starring Jody Bennett, Bailey Pillbeam, Isabel Albert, and Blake Aiden. Quaggers! They're everywhere. We are not going back in that tent. it now at hollowdellmedia.vhx.tv Green Bucket, Adam and Rob Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnight. Oh, sad voice. I don't know if I should... Should I do that? Is that bad? Just carry sad on. Voice. Let's just, just, just... Dead. Someone's oh, dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is this worse? <laughs> dead? No, bad. Um, good. Positive to look at. Death in a good light to say goodbye to good man. Nice? Yeah. Comedian Jerry Stiller, best known for his recurring role as George Costanza's father on TV Seinfeld, has died aged 92. His actor son Ben has confirmed. Yes, very sad. It probably doesn't mean a huge amount to you. Um, he does from Zoolander. Oh yes, 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 yes. He's very funny in Zoolander. Uh, yeah. He is. Um, he plays Frank Costanza, who is an unhinged father figure for an equally unhinged character. Um, yeah. Who's, whose dad is he in? in George's dad. George, which one's George? George is the podgy bald one who lies oh, and right. cheats his whole way through life. Yeah. Um, and Frank is just mad. Okay. Uh, and his uh, expressions of madness are incredible. There's one where they argue they want to make a, a bra for men with man boobs, and they have a massive raging argument about whether to call it a bro or a man's ear. <laughs> Genius. He makes something called Festivus for the rest of us, which is a sort of Christmas Han- Hanukkah mix, and you have a pole. Right. And there's Serenity Now. When you're really angry or frustrated, you just scream Serenity Now. <laughs> <laughs> In a really mad way. He uh, he sold all of those weird ideas. He's amazing. Like, genuinely. Ste- scene stealer. And it's really sad to hear that he's gone. Although, good innings. Good, very good innings. Produced a very uh, a comedic genius son. Yes. Um, yeah, so yeah, very good innings. And um, yes, join the other wonderful comedians in the sky. Good efforts. I hate the dead one. I hate talking about the dead. I always feel uncomfortable talking about the dead. Right. Well, should we move on to the living? (laughs) Yeah. Um, According to Variety, The Matrix 4 will be back in production this July. Oh, great. 
Rounding out work that began in February in San Francisco before a scheduled shift to Berlin was scuppered by the crisis. The Corona crisis. Mm. If you hadn't guessed, the crew was setting up, but no cameras rolled. So, Adam, say one thing about The Matrix so we can move on to the next story. Boring! Cool. That's fine. Uh, Haha! More news. Yes. I'm on a weird old... uh, Jibe today is that a word? Jibe? Uh, jibe? Jive talking. Mm, jibe. Taika Waititi yes. will direct and co-write a new Star Wars movie. But, <laughs> but I can't speak. Taika Waititi <laughs> will direct and co-write a new Star Wars movie. Yes. Ah, I wrote Star Wars and it freaking blew my brain. Uh, Do you need to have a lie down? No, I might be <laughs> having a stroke. I'm not sure. Disney have confirmed the director is no stranger to the franchise, having also directed the series finale of The Mandalorian. See, that's... Uh, so he's doing the proper one, isn't he? He's doing episode he's 10. doing whatever that... But this is now... There's no more Skywalker saga or people from the yeah, other films, yeah, are yeah, there? Yeah, 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 so yeah, this will be in a diff- completely different... I'm so excited for that. Yeah. Takamatiti needs to direct everything. Mm. Until we're sick of him. Yeah. And then we move on to Richard Iowadi. The time will come. The time will come. It happened to Ridley Scott. It'll happen to Tycho. You know. Oh, they're very different. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm using examples of directors yeah. who were once great and are now uh, Alien Covenant. Uh-huh. Um, British actor Andy Serkis has raised more than £283,000. That's $351,000 for you people in America for charity by reading The Hobbit in full on a live stream. More than 650,000 people worldwide tuned in for the online performance of J.R.R. Tolkien's 1937 Well, they all paid 50p each. I don't think they did. Or did they? Well... Is that the maths you just did? Well, look, more than 650,000 people and they only raised... Maybe some, maybe, some people, maybe it was a free stream and you could just volunteer. I'm sure it was, but what? Freeloaders. Yeah. 400 million, 400,000 people. Yeah, I think I think they should have been given more money. Well, yes. Um, Try again, Andy Serkis. Sorry. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the donations will go to NHS charities together and baby charity Best Beginnings, for which Serkis is an ambassador. Now... The Hobbit, I seem to remember reading somewhere, is 220 pages long. Yeah, it's, you can read it in about six hours at a, a casual at a, pace. At a reading pace, yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah. at a clumpy, clumpy no, yeah. narrating and pace. I would assume that he was doing voices as well. I mean, yeah, there's only one voice we care about, isn't there? Yes. Four in Oakenshield. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> All right. Nev Campbell thinks that enough time has passed since the death dead death death of West director Wes Craven to finally think about making a fifth Scream film someone's run out of money someone needs a new pool that's exactly what I thought that's a coincidence I think it's time (laughs) I think enough time has passed for for the torch to pass to a new talent by the way I need a new Porsche. <laughs> By the way, I'm available. I'm available. And I would love to work on your project. And I'll show my tits. I mean... Sorry, no, that's offensive. Just produce it. But do, but direct it yourself if you're that desperate. So We've got some film projects coming up, if she's yeah. available. Yeah. She, we can't pay. 
Look. She said, I definitely had a period where I was thinking it would be too odd to do a movie without Wes. Yep, she Campbell was in the said. black at that point. So that's when I found Hollowdell Media. <laughs> and now, together, we're making our own Scream sequel with no budget. Yeah. This will be filmed exclusively in Hitchin. Yeah, in a tiny little flat. In a tiny little flat. <laughs> and all the parts will be played by Rob Hellenborough. Uh, and <laughs> they will involve the killer running around four rooms <laughs> for an hour and a half yeah I mean you know it's a step up from uh, mansions in LA isn't it yeah absolutely um, I Scream 4 I thought was actually really good yes. so I um, I hope they do it justice is it but the Scream Wes Craven's thing was to like reinvent horror mm. is there not a Scream 4 modern day that could be made uh, what do you mean? What? Well, what, like, what, so what would what would this theme of Scream be today? If Scream was was slasher films, <clears throat> and revenge films, and Virgin survives films, what would it be now? It'd be paranormal, isolation. <laughs> People can't go outside; they're stuck in their houses. There's a killer on the loose, and they're inside the house. And they're inside the house, and the killer is Has- germs. Oh. Anyway, but no, but no. What's what's the thing? What's the common thing now? What the horror films? They all have like there was cr- a, women in the walls. Yeah, trying to steal your children. Just past dolls. We've just left dolls. Oh, um, dolls are still going. The boy twos just flowing uh, about. Yeah. Well, if there's a little doll of ghost face, no. We could do something with stream with like. Did you see the sinister? Yeah. So like. A ghost that haunts, that causes children to kill people. And that could link with dolls. Okay. So the doll possesses the child. They body swap. Right. And... uh, Everyone explodes. And Monica from Friends turns up. Yeah. And and it's all found footage. Yes. Ooh! Uh. Done. And she gets killed. They're going to have to kill her. Is she? Was she in four? Yeah. David Arquette yeah, was in she four. Was. Of course she was. Yeah, yeah. David Arquette had a wrestling career. He's been wrestling. What? I can't be bothered to get into it now. I'll Google it and talk about <laughs> it next time. But he stopped acting and he's been a wrestler. Oh. And fighting. And I don't think he's very good, I read somewhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyway, okay. that's Four Nights More Night. Hey! It's done. Nick's Game Reviews. Batman Arkham Knight. After huge success with Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, Rocksteady had achieved what many had failed to do before, bring the legendary Gotham Knight to the gaming landscape. When Arkham Knight was announced, the games industry was so excited by what Rocksteady had in plan, and when it released, well, it turns out the only thing the game actually had to offer that was different to Arkham City anyway, was the Batmobile. Within 15 minutes of starting a new game, you are thrown into this Batman Begins influenced tank that speeds around the city, destroying everything. By the end of the game, you have obliterated so many concrete walls, pillars, and balustrades that I'm surprised there is still a Gotham to come back to. If they took everything to do with the Batmobile out of Arkham Knight, it would be a much better, more refined, and enjoyable experience. 
the free flow combat of the Rocksteady Batman games is still there and still as glorious as ever and the game really does look beautiful. From the rain running down the Bat's suit to his cape billowing as he glides across the skies of the city. Initially, the city seems enormous, boringly so, but after a few upgrades to the Bat suit and your gadgets and you are zipping around Gotham faster than any human body could possibly endure. And so after about two hours, the game settles into a more Arkham City style of gameplay. You have your main objectives and you have your side missions. If you are a moderate Batman fan, you will enjoy the main missions focusing on the characters that you know excruciatingly well. Joker, Scarecrow, Jim Gordon, etc. But if you are a big Batman fan, you are really there for the side missions. Arkham City allowed us to explore the likes of Victor Zaz, Deadshot and Bane, whereas Arkham Knight gives us deeper dives into Two-Face, Penguin, as well as the introduction of one of my personal favourite villains, the Pig. I could do without the militia missions, there are frankly too many of each one, but for the most part the side missions are really enjoyable, and once you can quickly traverse Gotham City you will enjoy them a lot more. The main story however, is something else. When Rocksteady were teasing the release of Arkham Knight way back in 2014, they explained that the titular knight was not a reference to Batman himself, but a new villain. So the whole way through playing it, I was trying to guess who it could be. I ruled out all the likely possibilities, ones that had been covered with similar stories in the comics, and then it's revealed. I won't say who it is, for that is the biggest spoiler of this game, but to say I was disappointed is an understatement. Sadly, it's a case of a developer trying to build intrigue and excitement before the release of a game instead of letting their story do the work for them. Plus, don't try and claim something as your own when it's already been done by someone else. And so the final roundup of the story after that felt somewhat dampened. There's a really enjoyable story segment involving a certain clown prince of crime that, with some afterthought, is possibly the most fun I had with the entire game. The main story comes to a frankly empty, nonsensical, obvious and pathetic end. But the game isn't done with you there. Oh no, there's more. You're told about Nightfall Protocol. All you have to do to initiate the Nightfall Protocol is finish every side mission. I finished the last Militia mission, getting ready to settle into the Riddler missions and collectibles, when Alfred gleefully informed me that I had done enough. Hooray! I don't have to do all the Riddler stuff! And so I flew over to GCPD and activated it. And for my determination and hard work, I was treated to another yawnful conclusion that reminded me far too much of the end of Dark Knight Rises. But the game was not done with me there. Oh no, there's more. I was then told that if I complete every Riddler collectible and mission, I would unlock the true and full Nightfall protocol. So I turned the console off. Oh gee, Adam, what are you doing? Ah. Uh, uh. What what is what are you doing? I'm eating. What are you eating, Adam? New Pringles Rice Fusions Japanese Barbecue Teriyaki. Oh mm. my, are they good? They're delicious. Um, um. Could I try one? Yes. Not that one. That's small. I want I want a whole one. They're so delicious. They are rice fusions, therefore the texture is more rough on the edge. Did Pringles... How much did I give you? Pringles aren't paying me a ruddy penny. However, we are going to start having ad reads. Yep, we in are. In this podcast. So if you would like your product 
to be complimented as highly as Pringles Rice Fusion Japanese Barbecue Teriyaki flavour. Mm. Asterisk. What's the asterisk? That's so good. There's an aster- asterisk. I don't know what it... What's the asterisk? What? Recycle. Well, there's an asterisk on flavour. Maybe it means, you know, flavour. <laughs> flavour. Oh, I can't. Oh, wait, wait. Japanese teriyaki, oh, whatever. If you would like <coughs> your product, if you would like your product to have a little bit of airtime to an international audience as well, may I add. Make it sound like it's choking someone. Yes, mm, but mm. so delicious. Yeah, nice, mm. nice. Uh, then, yes, do get in touch. We'll um, work out the... Iron out the creases. Iron out the creases. Like prefer. Steam out of our dog, you know what I mean? Like yeah, a yeah, Phillips yeah. iron. Yeah, steam bro- iron. Mm, brass tacks. Eh? Mm, yeah, yeah. Or perhaps you like the flavour of Colgate Zigzag. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> work out the details and we'll let you know. But yes, this is a placeholder. Placeholder. Yes. Put your advert here. Oh, mademoiselle, would you like to have a film discussion? Oh, yes, monsieur. I would love to have an in-depth film discussion with you, like I do on Scream Bucket. At my signal, unleash hell. What we do in life echoes in eternity. So the word I picked last time was lever to choose the film. And I went and chose Gladiator, the Ridley Scott ruddy classic from the year 2000. What a film. It's amazing. Like, I was saying as we started watching it on the screening earlier... This might be the first film where I sort of thought the films were interesting. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, I mean, it's as close to flawless as you can get. I remember my brother had... Uh, do you remember the old gift boxes? Like a square. And it had a tape, a VHS tape, a DVD, and sometimes a book. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure my brother had Gladiator, and I think my sister had Titanic. And right. My mum had Titanic. So we had a couple of these lying around. And the Gladiator one... Oh my god. I think I watched it unprompted. I just went, I'm going to see what this is about. Oh! There's even a little booklet with it that had all the special effects. I mean, the storyboards and stuff. It was awesome. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It's so good. I'm hard pressed to think of a better film in this century off of the top of my head, having watched that back. It, I mean, yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, there's. It's, it, a f- it's spectacular in every sense of the word. It's so good. The, the, the actors, every performance is flawless. The emotion is everywhere. The score is out of this world, even though it's identical to Pirates of the Caribbean sometimes. Well, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean is identical to Gladiator. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, it's... So, some of the performances... I mean, Oliver Reed. Oh, man. Oh. oh. That, he has a flawless performance. The monologue... Uh, where he's holding the sword and he's telling them they're going to die and they're telling oh. him on what terms and conditions you're going to die and he thrusts the sword forward. You and me were both like... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Look at him go. It won five Academy Awards 
uh, best picture, best actor, best costume design, best sound, and best visual effects. The visual effects were amazing because, apart from a couple bits, mm. it even though it's the year 2000, it's generally regarded that the golden age of CGI was like mid to late 90s. Yeah. Talking Jurassic Park. Starship uh, Troopers. Starship Troopers is the big one. Um, this is a couple of years later, but it it's still incredible. There's there's a few bits. It's, um, well, it holds up with Lord of the Rings. And Lord of the Rings often have the advantage of being shot at night. So this is broad daylight action yeah, scenes. Yeah, And they've done a massively good job of it. It's Again, it's show not tell. Yeah. So we watch a general, Roman general... Smiling at his men, being hailed by his men. Yeah, they make, love him. Making jokes, mm. like um, when he's try- he's sort of boosting the morale of the cavalry in the woods. Yeah, and he has that great line. Um, Hold the line. Stay with me. You find yourself alone, riding in green fields with the sun on your face. Do not be troubled. Oh, you are in Elysium, and you're already dead! Yeah. And everyone loves me! They love it. They're brilliant. This is the first time I ever saw Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Who is, might be one of the best actors alive. I mean, he, he easily, easily. Um, and the, this is one of the greatest movie villain performances of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This well, is, that's the thing. I'm thinking beyond that, because he, he obviously can play good, bad, unhinged. Yeah, 100%. And in this, he's... Uh, just a madman. He's loathsome, and he does it so well. Every he makes your skin crawl in ways that um, I couldn't think of another person doing it to that level. No, no. His, his actions, the, the way he controls people, the way he stares at people when he threatens people, and the tantrums are the creepiest thing of all. Some of which were ad lib. Really, when he's screaming at Lucilla, his his sister, there's a scene when he's yelling, uh, "Am I not merciful?" Am I not merciful? Don't tell me he ad-libbed that. Ad-libbed. No so way. That's bit... like one of the most quotable bits in the whole film. I don't know whether... Maybe he did it once, it's scripted, but he did it a second time. She jumps in fear. She, he, like, turns her head and screams it. And she jumps, she shudders. That's genuine, because oh she didn't God. know it was coming. What about, uh, what about Russell Crowe? What about Maximus? Now, Russell Crowe, I remember him being better. He's a good action star. Like, in the fight scenes, he's incredible. Mm. He doesn't really do a whole lot other than that. I suppose it comes down to the fact that it's a very, well, or quite obviously Spartacus role in that he's uh, he gets men to follow him. People like following him. He's a leader of men. But then that character in itself, I mean, he's so essentially good-natured and so heroic, but it's hard to pluck a kind of extra dimension from him. So, like, I mean, he does the job he does fine. Yeah. But he's, like... Well, when he does show emotion, it's incredible. There's yeah. a scene when he's crying and it, it's not... The spit caught. and stuff yeah. that's coming out against his wife's he doesn't, burnt he, feet. He, and... doesn't let, he doesn't hold back, and that's no. amazing. But there are some scenes I was thinking, like, he's being outflanked. He's been... These people are running circles around him. There's I mean, a scene when Derek Jacoby is talking to him. He's <laughs> like... <laughs> this is like amateur hour being taught by someone else. I don't know. I don't remember having that vibe before. I don't think he was that bad. He's not bad. He just there isn't much to it. Well, you've got you've got Joaquin Phoenix, you've got Richard Harris, you've got Oliver Reed, you've got all of these like yeah. absolute um, like thespians. Oh, that's that's the best word as well. There's a lot of 
like dramatic talent. old school British Shakespeare actors in this. Yeah, very much I Claudius mm. uh, in 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 scope. Yeah, it's um, I mean, he's fine. I would say as well that he's sometimes when there's heroes. I don't know if you get the same. There's a hero on a film. Sometimes I go, oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Stop showing off. Uh, uh. Oh, I'm going to kiss her. Oh, brilliant. Uh. You're just jealous of his rugged Russell Crowe Australian. No, but I don't get it with, I don't get it with Maximus. Oh, you don't? I was actually thinking, oh, this is a weird ooh. case where I'm completely on his side. When he's on the horse, when he's in the arena. Do you know why? It's because you fancy him. Maybe. And Maybe. that's fine. Because <laughs> he is a very dashing man and that lever. Lever, lot yeah. of lever. What hidden lever? Hidden lever. It, at first glance, there's not much lever in this film, no. as I remember. Sorts of cloth. Lots of cloth. But all the armor's lever. Yeah. Whenever you see close-ups, it's all puckered and creased. Yeah, because we were like at the start, we we're like, oh god, <laughs> oh. they're in Germania, oh. and so there's a lot of wolf skins and metal. There's lots of skin. There's lots of cloth, and there's yeah. lots of metal. Oh well, we found lever. We found, we found lever. <laughs> we found lever in a hopeless place. So, um, should we go for the plot? Brief, yeah, why not? Let's just do it. Off you go. Cool. All right. Uh, Maximus is general. Um, he's working under the emperor who treats him like a son he never had, or rather a better son. Um, Marcus Aurelius. There seems to be. Yes, Marcus Aurelius. Um, Maximus seems to have some form of chemistry with Lucia, um, the daughter of the emperor and sister to Commodus. Commodus. Yeah. Um, Mar- Marcus Aurelius tells Maximus because he does. He has no faith in his disgusting, selfish, weird son mm-hmm. whatsoever. He thinks he's going to ruin Rome if he becomes emperor. So instead, he says, "I'm going to give it back to the Republic. I'm going to give Rome back to the Republic, away from the power of the Emperor, and I'm going to give you, Maximus, honourable Maximus, who I know I can trust, control of the Empire." Yeah, it, to safeguard it while the Senate yeah. builds back up, and a very good piece of note about. The character of Maximus is um, Richard Harris presses the point when Maximus refuses. Maximus says yeah, no. Yeah, he's desperate to just go back to his his farm in Spain with his wife and his son. That's the only thing he wants, and that he refers to it again and again. In three weeks' time, I'm going to be with my my wife and my son. This is what I'm doing when I'm released. Let me go home, but God's sake, let me go home. Yeah, and yeah, when he he's offered the the throne of the empire, and he says no. He says, no, with all my heart, no. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's when Richard Harris said, the Emperor, sorry, Marcus. He says, that's the answer I wanted. That's, yeah, that's exactly why you should be in control. <laughs> You're doing it. Then, naughty, naughty, naughty man. What's his name? God damn it. Commodus. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Commode. Naughty, naughty, commodity Commodus. <laughs> he uh, has a lovely little heart-to-heart of his father and then squashes his head into his uh, chest and suffocates him. Yes. Furious that he's not getting the chance to be emperor himself. He uh, murders his dad and uh, orders the arrest of Maximus. uh, And he's summarily taken away for execution. Yes. All the while giving very, very suspicious and creepy glances towards his own sister. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which we don't like. We don't like. Um, But yeah, uh, this is Maximus manages to escape his captors just as he's about to be executed. Oh, there's a... Yes, and there's a, a... very uncryptic message code that uh, maybe Maximus's family are also in danger. What's what's that? They they says something like, uh, "Look after my children, my wife and my child." 
and the arresting guy Quintus says, "You'll see them in the afterlife." Oh yeah. So yes, Maximus escapes his captors, uh, steals a couple of horses, and rides for Spain. Rides for from Spain, Germany. Yes. Long time, I would have thought. Long old way. Unfortunately, he doesn't get there in time. He returns back to his home uh, on fire. All of the his 70 farmer men are killed. Burning the, the charred ruins of them. Um, and he finds his wife and son crucified and burnt. And it's all very grim. And this is where we see uh, some wonderful emotion yes. from Russell Crowe. beautiful emotion. Um, he buries the bodies. He passes out. And then he's captured. Yeah, and he doesn't put up a fight. He's um, taken off to some very sandy sort of desert area um, and sold to Proximo, Proximo. played by Oliver Reed. And, I mean, he's, out of all of the characters, he's definitely the most fascinating because he's an ex-gladiator himself, we find out later on. Yes. So he's he buys these gladiators. And first of all, I imagine if I was to watch it the first time, I would not like him because he's buying these gladiators and he's telling me he's telling me make no mistake you are going to die. Yes, I'm yeah, buying the, you to die. Yeah, yeah. The first, the first, as you meet him, he's quite a horrible sort of. He's drinking and looks a yeah, bit. He's bartering. He grabs a man by the balls and threatens mm-hmm. him. And says you sold me queer camels. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's just a survivor. It turns out. I mean, it, it's revealed that he's he used to be in Rome, uh, but Marcus Aurelius. Uh, kicked him out. He closed down all the games. Yeah. So he's in exile, basically. So he's probably bitter at his lot, but he's still got respect for the gladiators. He's got respect for the game. He's the gladiators got- are a uh, funny thing in, in history as well, because they're slaves, but they were treated like... Gods, though. Sort of... I, I don't know what the best equivalent is. Uh, like WWE wrestlers or yeah. footballers. They were... You know, action figures made of them. The names yeah. were known across the empire. Posters of them in the street. Weren't they on coins sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, there was a... Where was that? Was that in in Bath? They had um, statues of them, like plimps of their names. And oh, as crazy. as they were killed... Oh, no, it was a mosaic. And they had the gladiators depicted with their names. Oh, wow. Uh, and as they died, they got crossed off or something. Something bizarre like that. They they would mark them somehow if they died. And yet, slaves. So there's yeah. this weird... I don't know. I don't know whether it's just because they were the only entertainment, I suppose. Yeah. I think they hadn't come up with any good sport and bloodshed. I mean, the whole thing is... Uh, Commodus. Commodus? Commodus. I got it right. Commodus. Yes. <laughs> he knows he Kito doesn't have the intelligence. Kaito. Kaito. <laughs> he knows he doesn't have the wits or... The influence to win over the Senate or the people of Rome. What he does have is blood. He yes. can win over the mob with blood. So this is the whole thing. This is the this is how gladiators are idolized and how bloodshed is idolized and how the Colosseum is idolized. He knows mm. if he can control that, he can win over the crowd. Well, that was the thing. He, so he, Thomas, on taking emperor, goes to meet the Senate, and they just ridicule him. Mm. Uh, tell me in all the years you of experience you have. You know, all this stuff. Uh, furious at that, he then launches 150 days of games. And the senators even admit, like, mm-hmm, yeah, smarter good, than we thought. Good move. Yeah. Uh, so to to boost the new Colosseum uh, competitions, they bring back all the gladiators, including Proximo's School of Gladiators, where, 
our hero Maximus has been building a celebrity status as uh, the Spaniard. Yes, the Spaniard. Uh, even with his own armour design and things. So his strategy is to go in, swords blazing, brutally decapitate everyone in sight, and then when he's won, fling his sword <laughs> at the people eating grapes in the crowd above him. He is given... That's how that yeah. Initially, he hates this whole thing. Yeah. But Proximo gives him sage bits of advice. He says, "Then listen to me. Learn from me. I wasn't the best because I killed quickly. I was the best because the crowd loved me. Win the crowd, and you'll win your freedom." So everything changes then, and uh, Maxwell starts playing the crowd and playing. To keep his the gladiators around him alive, so they can survive, but using his military experience and the respect everyone has for him just builds and builds and builds. Even the chef in the gladiator school slash prison calls him general. Yeah, like it's it's, it's interesting. It's really in a very short amount of time at all. He's the general again once more. Yep, absolutely. Um, so he enters into the games. Um, there's one significant scene which is when he teams up with all the other barbarians and take down a load of chariots in a sort of replica of the Battle of Carthage and that's when the best scene happens. Ah. Like possibly one of the best scenes from film history possibly. I would say so. Um, So Maximus leads the gladiators as a military unit and wins and survives. Um, Impressed, uh, Commodus decides to go and meet them. Especially the guy on the horse, who's very, very good. Um, And demands that he hear his name. You do have a name. My name is Gladiator. How dare you show your back to me? Slave! Will you remove your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Ooh! And literally tingles, goosebumps, all of it. I'm... I remember watching it the first time and when he picks up the uh, the arrowhead and I was mm. thinking, God, oh my God, what's going to happen? Does Is he going to try and stab him? Is he caught with the arrowhead in his hand? And none of it like materialises. And You're just hoping at that very moment, Maximus, don't screw it up. Yeah. Like, we so want you to kill him, but just get it right. And he plays the long game and so forth. But what the delivery of the, the everything, that is uh, Russell Crowe's defining moment. That- like. But yeah, and arguably, and I'm a big fan of Alien, arguably Ridley Scott's defining moment as well. Yeah. Like, absolute perfect scene. Um, And there's a couple, there's one towards the end as well, which probably shouldn't spoil, because I don't want to go too far into the the plot. If you haven't seen it, for God's sake, go watch it. Um, One thing I always thought funny about Gladiator was the political stuff. Hmm. Because on the surface, Gladiator, in the name, is about fighting and stabbing and blood and stuff going everywhere. And lions and tigers. 
But there's actually like a political coup happening at the same time. Yes. And it's... As a kid, I remember not really getting what was going on. No. And as an adult, I'm a bit like, why is this happening? But it gives, it gives so it much depth. depth yeah. Not only to like the situation, but to the characters. I mean, because it's, it's kind of... What adds to Commodus is kind of steadily getting more and more unhinged. I mean, later on to the point where he's cradling his nephew whilst he's retelling a story about uh, Caligulus, was it? Yeah, it's about the betrayal of, yeah. Yeah, and uh, but he's watching his sister the entire time. And this is the point where the coup has just happened. Mm-hmm. And it adds so much more to what he's going through. It's not just about him losing... F- face to Maximus. It's about him losing everything. I think the whole thing comes down to, even though you'd think Rome would be used to this by now, um, Commodus took the throne illegally Hmm. because he murdered his dad and just carried on. Is that called patricide? Yeah, regicide as well. Regicide, yeah. Words. uh, Whereas Marcus Aurelius wanted the Republic to come back. And him being the only lawful emperor, although how did he get the throne in the first place? Anyway, uh, means that technically uh, Maximus is the is the heir, mm. and so through him and through uh, Lucilla, I want to say Lucilla, Lucia, he's basically trying to resurrect the Senate. Um, he's trying to get out to get his army back mm. to march into Rome. Like it's a big epic scale thing. Yeah. Like a it's got everything. Defining historical moment. It's got everything. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, and then just briefly to touch on influence. I mean, everything after it fell short, and the only thing that can stand in the same room, if we're talking about sandals, because Troy's rubbish. Oh, oh don't even talk. Except about for Troy. the fight between Hector and Achilles, that's a beautiful, that's an absolutely fantastic scene. I hate that film, but the film sucks. Yeah. I agree. Um, and then there's stuff like the Immortals, and then there's Clash of the Titans. The only film that can even stand in the same space as it is 300, but it's a completely different, obviously, thing. Well, what this did influence very heavily was the HBO series Rome. Yes, and which, Spartacus. Well, that's it. So Rome came first. Rome was incredible, yeah. and definitely, definitely paved the way for Spartacus, which was a bit of a cult favourite. I haven't actually seen it's it. It's really good. Um it's all New Zealandy, and furthermore, Game of Thrones. Do you reckon Rome? Rome is Game of Thrones, just a lot like lower. Yeah, it's the okay. pilot for Game of Thrones. Right, it's got swearing, nudity, incest. It's all there. Mm. Have you seen Rome? No, it's really good, oh, and it's really... full of English cast as well. It's the same oh, sort okay. of thing. All the Romans are British. Yeah, of course. Uh, the lead lead guy is the lead guy from Dog Soldiers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so yeah, so this this did kickstart a whole genre, the mm. the sword and sandals genre, basically. Yeah, massive, which then massive influence took a sort of right turn into Game of Thrones, which is obviously Lord of the Rings as well, and all the yeah. all the lines, yeah. all the patterns. Uh, so yeah, so this, this is a big big deal, big yeah. deal, huge deal. So for, before we leave it, um, this is a stupid question. Does it make the holiday? Yes. Video? Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, that's all we need to say. Now, the next film to yes. be chosen by you. Go find a book, son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this one because I'm reading the English cover or the American cover of it okay. right now. So I'm, I've am i picked uh, Midnight Riot. Um, 
we have the exact same book, except it's called Rivers of London. And it's about a policeman who discovers a world of magic within London. It's I like, assume Midnight Riot's the English one. Right. Because they had to spell out that it was London. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, it's got Covent Garden <laughs> right there. Yeah. Who's it by? Uh, ben Aranovich. Oh. Aranovich. Let's hope we don't get any spoilers by randomly flicking through the oh, book. Yes. Stop. Stop. Devious. Oh. Devious. Nice. Okay. And uh, the sentence is, besides a devious mind, I also had a bruise the size of a dinner plate on my back and a couple more beauties on my chest and legs. <laughs> Excellent. Devious. Devious. Sexual again. <laughs> Lever devious. Only if you let it get Lever, into your head. Lever devious. We're going to have a sexual deviant film. Salo, <laughs> uh, I've got it. We, we haven't watched it yet. Wonderful. I'm just a sweet screen bucket. Adam's Retro Film Reviews A Field in England, 2013 to me over multiple occasions and by multiple people. A Field in England is a historical psychological folk horror film written by Amy Jump and directed by BFI favourite Ben Wheatley. Starring Reese Shearsmith, Michael Smiley and featuring a brief role by Julian Barrett. Frankly, I'm judging myself harshly for only having watched this now. You can too. Set during the English Civil War, A Field in England opens on Whitehead, played by Reese Shearsmith, fleeing from the Royalist Commander Trower, played by Julian Barrett. He is saved at the last moment by Cutler, played by Ryan Pope, a soldier who's seemingly abandoned his post and soon unites with two other soldiers, Jacob, played by Peter Fernando, and a man only addressed as friend, played by Richard Glover. All four men have escaped the skirmish beyond by escaping through a bush of ferns, the bush serving as a barrier between them and the war beyond. Jacob and Friend express their disinterest in fighting on and are quick to accept Cutler's offer to, well, go to the pub instead. Setting off to find a nearby alehouse, Whitehead tags along for fear of death by going back and the group set off across the fields to freedom. We find out now that Whitehead was supposed to be searching for a man, a thief by the name of O'Neill, who absconded from Whitehead's scholarly master with a number of papers detailing some form of hidden treasure or possibly magic. Along the way, Cutler prepares a weak broth for the men, making sure to add some mysterious mushrooms that soon starts to have an effect on Jacob and Friend. Whitehead, however, maintains without as he's currently fasting. 
The effect of the mushrooms isn't immediately obvious, however, when they reach a wooden post with a connected rope, Cutler urges the men to start pulling on it, and Jacob and Friend are quick to obey. On the other end of the rope, a man appears. It's unclear whether they pulled the man to them, or if they were instead pulled to where the man was. But in either case, Whitehead is agog to realise that the man is in fact O'Neill, the very O'Neill he was sent to recover. O'Neill, played by the incredible Michael Smiley, soon asserts his control over the group. Cutler, his willing lieutenant, forces Jacob and Friend to march as O'Neill reveals to Whitehead that the papers he stole directed him to this field to find a treasure, a treasure that Whitehead will locate as a form of human divining rod. Whitehead initially refuses, leading to one of the most effective and deeply unnerving sequences I've seen in film. I won't spoil it, but the unnatural use of sound and editing accompanied by the wails and protests of the mushroom-laced Jacob and Friend is... I mean, wow. And that's basically the whole film in a nutshell. Opening on historical accuracy and down-to-earth music and filmmaking, a film in England ends with psychedelic sequences combined with heavy and heart-hitting synth tones and drug-addled visions that see Whitehead ascend from his quivering self, while O'Neill's dark and sinister intentions drive the rest of the characters in what is both a chilling and breathtakingly deep dive into English folklore. Moments of dark comedy bubble through a field in England, with Rhys Shearsmith and Michael Smiley's performance both standing out. Honestly, this might be one of the best films I've seen in a long while, and even while I write this review, I'm fighting the urge to go back and watch the whole thing again, and possibly again, and maybe another time after that. Find it, pick it up, watch it to death. What do you see, friend? Nothing. Perhaps. Only shadows. So, we've talked about Gladiator. Uh Uh-huh. Did you know about the planned sequel? I did. Tell me what you know. Um, What I remembered from it was that Nick Cave was involved. Of Nick Cave and And the the Bad Seeds. And and the Bad Seeds. Um, uh, (laughs) Maximus, after this perfectly chosen story... In which no need for a sequel ever. <laughs> this perfect we, ending. We, this perfect ending where, of any film ever made, in fact, this film more than any categorically <laughs> yeah. does not need a sequel. Oh, Ridley Scott will do prequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he would. We don't see the origin of Maximus from the yes. DNA level. How did he become yeah. a toddler? Um, <laughs> yeah, Nick Cave uh, shot um, Russell Crowe an idea saying, what if he comes back from the dead? And the only other thing I knew about it, you'll have to tell me more, is yeah. that um, he ends up in the future fighting some sort of battle in the 20th century. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. I'm doing my part. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing my part. <laughs> I'm Maximus Decimus Arena. Well, I'm Maximus. Good eye. Come uh, on, you apes. You want to live forever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, there's an article on Little White Lies uh, that crossed my mind. It has been floated about for a while. But this was the first time I've really sat down and read about it. So, Russell Crowe is friends with Nick Cave, and because there's a music connection, Russell Crowe does music of some sort. Right. Um, and he asked Nick Cave to write a sequel, of all people. Um, and so I, I, okay. So, he went away, uh, so he rang me up at home and asked me if I wanted to write Gladiator 2, which for someone who'd only written one film script was quite an ask. Yeah, two, yeah. right? 
you imagine trying? Anyway. Bloody hell. <laughs> uh, so they're good friends. We didn't say it, but we'll say it now. He dies at the end. Yeah. So it's very, but it's the journey and all that. So therefore, sequel should be out the window. And Nick Cave said this. He said, hey, Russell, didn't you die in Gladiator 1? He was like, yeah, you sort that out. <laughs> uh, so that's like, that's got to be like write, legendary writer comments. What writers <laughs> no. don't want to hear. So you, you, you sort that out. Uh, so Nick Cave came up with this idea. See, see what you think at home. <clears throat> so, Maximus is in purgatory. He's in the cornfield. Back on Earth, there's this Christ character who's <laughs> down on Earth. This is quoting from the article. Who's gaining popularity. Many of the gods are dying. So they send Gladiator back to Earth to kill Christ and all of his followers. <laughs> I wanted to call it Christ Killer. <laughs> what? <laughs> so... And then it, it goes on. It goes on. Uh, uh, so, Gladiator 2 Christ Killer culminated in an epic era-spanning climax. Uh, and the quote here, in the end you find out that the main guy was his son. Whose son? Maximus' son? Uh, Jesus' son? Okay. Well, yeah. So, he has to kill his son and he's tripped by the gods and all this sort of stuff. He becomes the eternal warrior and it ends with this 20-minute war sequence that follows all the wars of history right up to the Vietnam War. And then later it says that he... Oh! Maximus ultimately commands World War II tanks and ultimately makes an appearance in the modern-day Pentagon. So this is the best film ever made, if it, but never made. This is the best film ever made. This is like a Roger Corman film. This is, this is ridiculous. Uh, now, apparently, Russell Crowe... This was his reaction. But actually, you do. You do. Give us your best Russell Crowe. So, uh, what do you think? Don't like it, mate. What, what about the end? Don't like it, mate. <laughs> Don't like it. But, no one tries to rewrite history. But he, he who, come up, who came up with Christ Killer? Was it I, Nick I, Cave? I, I assume Nick Cave. So, Gladiator 2, Christ Killer. <laughs> The more you say it, the more I love it. Better, it's so good. It's so unbelievably fantastic, and we and we deserve it. It needs to be made, and with Russell Crowe has to reprise the role. There's no reason. I was going on before about Gladiator being a, a film you shouldn't make a sequel to. <laughs> Having you you said all of that, I was wrong because that's the perfect sequel. Well, this is the thing as well. This is this is what's worrying. Ridley Scott says it's a good idea. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, it was, it was a good idea, Strop remarked. Uh, <laughs> I knew how to bring him back. Cave used a portal of a dying warrior as a portal that could bring somebody back. Shut up, Ridley Strop, you mad, mad, man. Oh, my God. Uh, apparently, and it's still on the shelf in DreamWorks, this is a script that might be made. And I want to just say that Hollowdale Media is available for any low-budget productions. Yeah, we'll take that off your hands. Honestly. No problem. Honestly. And it needs the theme to uh, Deathstalker 2. Yes. 100%. Make it. Yeah. Uh, Ridiculous. Love it. Ridiculous. I'll have my revenge and Death Stalker 2.
Well, that's the show, folks. That's the show. You just ran over my toe. Oh, sorry. You... Uh, With what? Oh, because I, I moved my foot. Oh, right. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I'm sorry. That's all right. What's going on? Oh. We're, um, we're going to close the show. We've had a really good one. We've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, heavily gladiator talk, wasn't it? Heavily gladiator talk. Um... We were meant to be going to Horicon this weekend. Yeah, that's very much at the front of my head. Yeah, so like what last year quickly became like the highlight of our year has been yeah, delayed. Possibly the drunkest. And what with, yeah. Was it the drunkest? Possibly. And I, I turned 30, we all turned 30 that year as well. We were steaming. And now that uh, music fans may know that Slam Dunk has been cancelled in September, I wouldn't be surprised to see Horicon follow suit mm. from its rescheduled September date. But we're not going to think about that now. We're going to leave on a happy note. Yes. Uh, anyone who hasn't seen our Horicon video from last year, do have a look. It's got some very embarrassing yes, things. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> you can find it on our YouTube channel. Um, do check it out. We've got loads of videos on there. We need more, but they're coming. They're coming. They're I coming. promise they're coming. We'll make some more movies. We just want to get outside the house first. <sighs> If you do like what you hear, then do check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Media, uh, and do follow our Twitter at screen underscore bucket or Twitter and Instagram for at Media. Yes, do all of those things. Do those things. Find out what we're doing. We yeah. update as much as we can uh, and lots of exciting things to come. Yes, soon, soon, sooner rather than later. Yes, 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 yes. Rob, tell me... What you're having for breakfast tomorrow? Uh, blueberry Wheaties and a banana. Oh. What are you having? I'm having crumpets with honey. Ooh. Anyway. No, we need to end on something better. Come on. Uh, give me more. Uh, and are you not entertained? You're just not my deodorant. Sorry.